growing up where I did, you know, I met God there in mm-hmm. deep fundamentalist religion um, in a place where there's a lot of darkness, a lot of, you know, sexual abuse, spiritual abuse, all that is happening in, in, in a lot within those systems because it's all hidden and pushed under. And then I leave and I go through all these different layers and it's been a rocket ship ride. The way my worldviews have changed, like as the seasons at times, it's felt like um, really challenging to navigate. But I, what's happened is I've seen God in so many different places. I've seen him through the path of astrology, through human design, through group like Fit for Service, through sitting with mushrooms, through all these different modalities. Welcome to the Sacred Soul Podcast. Your soul is sacred. Your soul is sacred. Your soul is so sacred. I'm your host, Vanessa Soul. Hi, dear soul. I have a few questions for you. Are you aware that you have a purpose on this planet? Are you willing to embark on a journey that will equip you with an inner knowing, inspiration, clarity, and confidence to put your medicine or message out into the world? What are you capable of when you receive guidance, tools for execution and implementation and accountability for consistency? If you're ready to tap into more of your untapped potential, there is a community ready for you. Join us in the Soul Purpose Powerhouse community, which has just recently launched January 2024. Expand into your purpose. It is an online community led by me. Check out the link in the description to sign up. I can't wait to meet you there. Much love. Welcome back to the Sacred Soul Podcast. Thank you everyone for tuning in today. Today is a special episode. I have a good friend here with me, Aaron. Aaron, thank you so much for being here. A pleasure. Beautiful. And I just want to kind of give like a casual introduction to you and I. And we met through Fit for Service, which is a spiritual community. And in 2021, we were probably both in that community before then. You know, it's a big community full of a lot of people, a lot of connections and friendships and special soul relationships happening. But for some reason, you and I were around each other a lot more in the 2021 Austin Summit. And we shared an Airbnb with some other great friends of ours. And we were kind of like ice bath coaches together, (laughs) impromptu, you know, just spontaneously helping the other people in our house. Um, yeah, just do cold plunges and and do something hard and, and keep some kind of grounding and um, discipline going during one of the summits. And you and I just naturally connected. We didn't even get to talk much in the beginning, but our efforts as a team, when we were working and spending time and hanging out with people in our house, we just like partnered up. So that was like one of our my best memories of how we started to get to know each other. Yeah, that was a really neat, neat uh, opportunity there to connect. We had, I, you know, followed you for a while and saw your cold water, you know, journey. And I was also on a similar journey. So it's pretty, it's pretty special to connect there. And it's just a good time. So. Yeah, absolutely. And then we've stayed in touch um, since then. We've done some human design work together, all kinds of things. And you have been on a powerful healing journey. And this is why I have Aaron with us today. 
So he's going to share a little bit about what his life experience has been like thus far. And first, Aaron, just to kind of introduce who you are to the listeners and even to myself, because I'm always open to um, getting to know you in different ways. How would you say who you are and who you are not? Um, well, first off, again, thank you for having me on here. It's an honor. And I'll preface is always saying I will cry throughout this session because my emotions are close to the surface today. And they normally are. I'm Aaron. I am a father. I'm a entrepreneur. I'm a CEO. I am an avid outdoors person. And I'm a passionate lover of humanity. And who I'm not, you know, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that one. It's a really good question. Um, I'm not a, not really someone that follows. I'm uh, a person that believes in blazing my own path. I spent most of my life following, and I'm pretty done with that piece. So that's who I am. Um, and all those things sprinkle into all of my life. I'm a wild man in the cosmos. You can see behind me, that's kind of the, mm-hmm. the background of a galaxy there. And I just, I believe that I incarnated here with to be a pattern breaker. Mm. I just got chills. <laughs> incarnated here to be a pattern breaker. That is amazing. I think I identify as a disruptor. I think I incarnated to be a disruptor, but I think we all kind of work hand in hand, right? Pattern breakers, disruptors. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> so tell us about your past experience with being in a cult. How did it start? Well, I was born into a religion. A cult, depends how you want to verb it. I often call it a cult because it was very cult-like in its nature. Um, Born in that, my father was a pastor within that system, um, fully believed in that system. So it was just, that was just life to me until things started to not make sense. Um, So, yeah, by default, my parents were there had been there and not that specific religion. Their grandparents had came there or their, their parents had came there. My grandparents came to this religion. So it was, I was third generation there. Okay. Got it. And um, what was it like growing up in that environment? Well, it's, it's really a good question because I had this strong ability to create almost like an alter persona that submitted to the rules quite well went along with it while denying my true self and so i really thought as a child that i had a good a pretty good childhood i was thought well that's pretty good and i could convince myself this here and so but it wasn't until recent years where i was in a space of meditation i started seeing the amount of suppression and pain that I had inside of my, me today and started seeing where some of that started. And it started really young. As young as three years old, I have memories of very traumatic experience that showed me that it wasn't okay to be Aaron. 
And so um, it's a really mixed, mixed feeling looking back on it, because in many ways, I'm the social, charismatic extrovert that meets people, mingles well. So I was always well accepted within my peer group. But those within leadership, even back then, didn't really like me because I was I was that pattern interrupter, that disruptor, as you said, and that they didn't they wanted me to suppress deny yourself. Don't be Aaron. Just be a sheep. I mean, the literal words that I heard, be a sheep. Just mm. Wow. And you heard that directly. Like someone yes. actually said those words mm. in that order. Absolutely. Mm. You'd be, yeah. be willing to be sitting in that pew with your brothers and no one can pick you out from anyone else because you just blend in. Mm. And I've never blended very well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, in the capacity that I know you, I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> that's not yeah. Aaron. That's not me. And so, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I can go, you know, fast forward a little bit of, you know, what led me into leaving that that system was. So I was, I was born in that system. I believed in it. We were a one true church system. So I totally believed this was taught this from childhood. It's brainwashing is what it literally is. And so I'm like, this is, this is my life. And I had in many ways, what you would call the, the, the perfect, like fairy tale life within that organization. Um, Mary, uh, my father was a prominent preacher within the, the community. Um, my, I've married this beautiful girl from Western Kansas, also within the same denomination. Her father was also a very well-known pastor wealthy corn farmer. We had a family business that we were as a part of, um, had this good little life going on. And then we had our first daughter in 2007 and she lived two days and turned my whole world upside down. And I'm like, I don't know how I don't, this doesn't work. And there was things, you know, they, like, that did, there's so much that didn't make sense about the way the church process through it all and telling us, you know, just to basically move on and get over it because it's God's plan and all these things. And it created this whole story of confusion in my life. And through a series of really painful, painful uh, experiences, including a, um, to get vulnerable here, there was a situation where I was, I was struggling with pornography, which they would have viewed as a very serious sin and I'd been battling this demon for quite a few years and I was trying to get free. So I go talk to the preachers and they, instead of offering help, they publicly humiliate me in front of the congregation and excommunicate me from the church. So now not only do I have this struggle of my own shame, I have the shame of everyone knowing about this secret sin. So I go through, I get back in. I'm like, well, I'm never talking about that again. And then through as it was over, so that was in 2007, her daughter died. And by 2014, um, I started realizing that I just don't agree with this anymore um, at all. And it took about, even at that point, it took about another year and a half till I was willing to make the decision to leave. Because it's a big decision to leave your family, your friends, everything you know, and start your life over again. So that that led me to 2015, which was the stepping out point. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And I just want to take a moment just to to honor you and your journey, because you said it, you know, you packaged it in a nice paragraph for us. But that is tough. Right. Grieving a child um, 
that was only, you know, able to be here for a few days, that's, that's challenging within itself, that will rock anyone to their core. And then to have, um, you know, the environment and, and how the the people around you and the church were you basically not supporting your grieving process and, and not, you know, offering support in a healthy way. Um, that's really tough on top of the grieving process. And so I just want to honor you for being here today to tell us about this, because I can't imagine what that's like to go through that. And in 2014, um, like what were some of the first steps? Like you started to have the realization, but like on a practical level, like what did that look like? Like, did you, yeah, I, I don't, I guess I don't know how to ask it, but like, did you just like decide to like leave the environment and, and pick up and pack up on, on day one when you realized it or was it a gradual process? So that's a, it's a really good question. And thank you for that, that reflection on that. Cause it truly, it was a, yeah, it was hell. It was, it was really a challenging journey to navigate. And there was many years of, of depression following that. And which I can speak to at some point is how, how I processed out of that. But so when you're taught from little on up, that we are the one true church. Everyone else's belief is a false belief. And this is the only way. So then in that, you don't really even, like we wouldn't even really have friends outside of that community unless we were trying to evangelize and track them in. But then it's not really a friendship. It's really more of a missionary endeavor. Um, And so with that, the first was a dismantling. So this is a Christian faith that I was in, to be clear. The first was a dismantling that we are the only Christians that are have the true faith. And so for me, there was a um, my older brother was also excommunicated for something similar to what I was. And as he when he was out, he was talking about connecting with a, a ministry called Ransom Tart Ministry. And at first he started talking about this John Eldridge. And I was like, who is this guy? That sounds like, you know, false religion. And every part of me was like, you're going to get deceived. You're going to get led astray. You know, all these, I was concerned for him. But he started, he kept sharing this stuff with me. I started listening to this other, this other, he's a preacher in his own right. And uh, there was a story he told in a book that I read. And this story really cracked the ice. And the story was about a walrus that lived in a desert. Well, the story wasn't about that, but every chapter started with this like paragraph about the walrus. I don't remember the rest of the book, but I remember the little paragraphs at the beginning of each chapter. And it was about this walrus that lived in the desert beside a little pond, basically a mud puddle. And in the evenings, he would go up onto the rock beside the pond. And when the wind was right, he could smell the ocean. And he would dream of someday making the journey to the ocean. But every day he'd go back to the pond and stay in the pond. And as time went on, it got to be less and less that he would go to the rock until it finally came to the point where he never went to the rock at all anymore and forgot about the rock and forgot about the ocean and thought that the mud puddle was the ocean. And I realized at that point, I'm like, here I've been living in this mud puddle 
thinking it's the ocean. I can't stay here. That was that little story just broke something. So then the, that it was a process. And now I look at my evolution journey from then till now. And I look at, you know, the person that, you know, John Elders and his team, they're still right where, <laughs> where they were, but they were, they were a stepping point on my journey through the timeline. So that was kind of the breaking point. So that was uh, that first year, year of 2014 was completely consumed with listening to podcasts and books of that, of that genre, which led me to the next step, which was in 20, uh, it was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving in 2014, where I went to meet with my business coach. And I got there that day and he had written on the board, what old way of being are you committed to giving up? And what new way of being are you committed to? And I saw it and I was like, why did you write that on the board? And he says, well, I just thought up to write it down when you pulled your car in this morning. So I said, well, I'm committed to following my heart and to never following man. And then in just like that, I heard almost like an audible voice say, and that means leaving the church you grew up in. That's what I said. And that means leaving the church I grew up in. And so that was the decision was that day. And then it was about three or four months, three months later till I finally came out publicly and told them we're leaving. So. Mm, wow. What, what confirmation though, <laughs> to get that, that auditory guidance, that voice that just, whether it came from within you or, or a guardian angel, however you define that as, um, cause these decisions can seem so daunting. And sometimes we, we try to figure it out and we stress ourselves out with the overthinking, but internally and, and just on a heart level, you just knew, you know, your coach <laughs> gave you something to, to, uh, respond to in that moment. And you just were like, Oh, I know exactly what it is. Like you already knew. Mm-hmm. And, 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 to, and to add to that, my wife had almost the identical message, just boom, I came home and I told her I had a message from God today. And she said, well, I did too. And it was the same message. You need to leave. You. So we had double confirmation there. So that was, that was, that was, it, it was, a, it was a hard decision to make. And it was at the time that we left, um, there's about 1% would leave that group up to that point. Now in the last couple of years, there's also, since we left, there's been like this wave of people left. So things are changing there, but that was, you know, that was where it's at. <clears throat> yeah. Got it. And so now let's shift into talking a little bit about your healing journey. Like after leaving you and your wife and your family, uh, just maybe a summary just to start. What was the healing journey like? Well, that's that's been a really. Uh, it's still happening. Yeah. That way. Um, I left in 2015. And we tried to find a community. We went through a number of different churches. And in the fall of 2016, so this is about a year, about two years after leaving, it, my depression had just gotten so dark that I just, I could hardly get out of bed. I didn't, I just, there just didn't feel like going on with life. I was suicidal, um, suicidal ideation. Not ever acting on it, but just it was there. And I remember being at a again, it was a CEO group that I was at, and one of this the speaker came in and he just kindest old man ever had met. And I was chatting with him between sessions. 
And he said, everyone needs help once in a while. And he gave me a, re- a referral for his therapist. So I reached out to this older lady. It's about two or three months till I got the nerve up to reach out. And what I was afraid of was I'd be told that there's nothing wrong with me because there's nothing wrong. Then I didn't see a reason to go on. But we did a neuro linguistic programming NLP over Skype. And in two or three sessions, completely shifted my future from pitch black to a sunny path that I could see a way on. So that was really a start of my healing journey. Um, and then from there, you know, it's it's just been so, there's so many modalities along the path because I, I went from there, I went through again in, in, in 2017, I was re- actually rebaptized into another church somewhere um but i was i was trying to get back to that where i could believe in this whole christian story still but it wasn't quite landing for me anymore and that that started pretty a dark phase in my life from like the mid 17 through 19 where i was i would have been an atheist just like there is nothing and there's just what's the point of this all and i was just struggle really in a struggling place and then in the spring of 2020, January of 2020, about I had a spiritual awakening, I call it. And I realized that when I left Christianity, I created a belief that I would never again have intimacy with the divine. And that had been a huge part of my life was this intimacy with the divine, but I no, no longer believed in God the way I had been taught. And so I thought I had to just leave it all. Mm-hmm. And so that started, that, that was that year there. And I did a, uh, a 12-week a program on how to become a, a quantum coach. And I, I was beyond that. I joined a men's group and we went into an, more of an esoteric movement there where we went and, and, uh, well, it was, you know, David Data, Wave Spearman, all that kind of stuff. But it was a 12, 12 module period. And then from there, I went and that, that summer did, did uh, psychedelics for the first time and encountered God in the dead, in the, you know, outside of Austin in the wilderness under full moon. And, uh, and then in the fall, I, I met, oh, I became aware of Aubrey Marcus. And join fit for service in the first part of 21 there. Um, so it's been, it's just been kind of all over the place with modalities, but the, you know, the FFS family has been really powerful for me. Um, the human design work we did together was really powerful in helping me understand myself. Astrology has been powerful. There's just been so many different crazy modalities that have shown up and I never really fully go into any of them, but I take my piece that I need out of them and I keep on moving forward. So that's kind of my path. Yeah, I love that. And all these different modalities, there's just different flavors, different ways that we could decode ourselves because we are a bunch of codes. Absolutely. Our birth date, our our appearance, our heart, our chakras, like our energy, our, like everything is like coded, right? And so it's just decoding um, the path that we set out for ourselves before we were born. If you, if anyone is can't agree with that if, if that's in alignment with your agreements um, or with your beliefs yeah and 
Thank you for that. Just kind of telling us a little bit about your healing journey. So NLP was like really impactful, just, you know, and you got, you had, it sounds like you had a breakthrough, right? Or a few breakthroughs just within a couple of sessions. And I just want to highlight that for anyone, because I know that there, there are people out there, right? That are struggling with similar situations, whether it is defined as a cult, whether it's not defined as a cult, whether it's just like you said earlier, fundamentalism, <laughs> I can never really say that word fast, if it's just that. And I think I should have mentioned this earlier, or asked you earlier, but what is your definition of a cult? Because we're kind of talking about Christianity, but I, I want to be clear, like, we're not saying all everyone who is Christian is in a cult, right? So what do you, how can you describe your definition of what your experience has been coming from the environment that you were in? So, you know, there's, when you look at the definitions of what a cult is and what it means to me, having grown up in such a strictly controlled group, if you want to leave and the consequences of leaving are pain, then you're probably in a cult. Okay. That's a big one. Um, a common leader is typically is typically a sign of a cult. Well, the one I grew up in, typically when the cult leader dies, it dies with him. But the leader, John Holdeman, which started the sect that I was in, structured it well enough that it lived beyond him. So we were controlled there. We were discouraged from meeting or making friends with those outside of our group unless we were to, you know, just for fear of deception um and fear and manipulation is what's used to control you there so though that's kind of what to me would set it apart as as a cult um there are some other large organized religions that fall into those very similar categories um so big time (laughs) so just just to anyone listening we are not attacking christianity or anything like that um but but that's a great way to kind of just for us to filter right what what exactly we're talking about so thank you and just a random, I don't know if this is an actual joke, but just a random fact, our community that Aaron and I are immersed in uh, fit for service. And even I'm not an active member, but I just have so many friends and clients and and just what my, you know, my best friend and like all these people that I love and, and keep in touch with are in fit for service. But um, there's always some outsiders kind of looking into the fit for service community. And they, the first thing they say is that, is that a cult? <laughs> And we're like, no, it's just, we're just going on retreats. It's personal development. It's consciousness. It's awakening. It's, you know, you know, it's just kind of bettering yourself, having this soul awakening process in the process of other people. And I'm not here to promote fit for service, although I love it so much. I would recommend it to anyone, but it's just, I just mentioned it, Aaron, because some people are so quick to just call anything a cult, right? That's what my point is. Um, But I love that you said, if you choose to leave or if you're wanting to leave and there's a lot of pain and suffering embedded in that process or shame or all kinds of chaos coming from the community and people around you, um, that can really hold someone down, right? And keep them in there longer because it just creates so much fear and pain. 100%. And that's the thing is, I mean, I know that the fit for service cult piece. I've, I've actually gotten some pretty animated converse, conversations with people calling it that. And I said, you know, unless you've been there and experienced a 
a retreat or two, you really can't speak to it, but it's the ultimate anti-cult. When you look at the (laughs) inclusivity of anyone from any belief system is welcome with open arms there. And like, I'm not a member currently or not, but there's no, oh, you're an outsider now. You're just There's none of that. Family. (laughs) It's just, it's so beautiful there. So I'm really grateful to have experienced that love. The love that I experienced is to talk about healing. Mm-hmm. My first retreat was in Costa Rica and I got there and I was just surrounded with people that were just, just, just hug. And we're not talking like a short little hug. We're talking wrapping a hug and hold you for 30 to 60 seconds and men, women, it doesn't matter. It was just love. And the love that was poured into me with the family that I stayed with there, like the family, like the, the group I stayed with the house, it was just it was, I'd never experienced love like that in my life before. And it's, it was, it was, it was completely life-changing. So I'm so grateful to have had that experience. Yeah, absolutely. And as we're talking, um, if you're, if for anyone who's in a community or if you have people around you and it actually enhances your personal sovereignty to be in touch with those people or to be in that community, that's a sign that you're not in a cult, right? And that's what fit for service. That's kind of what Aaron was describing a little bit with all the love that he received. Um, and, and for me too, my, my sovereignty amplified my belief in myself, amplified my freedom that I had for myself and, and how I chose to tap into it amplified when I chose to be a part of either that community or surrounding myself around other people who have similar beliefs around consciousness. And it's not a community. It's just other people that I've met along my path, right? But they enhance my personal sovereignty. So that's the opposite of what we're talking about here. And I always like to include these opposites because it really gives people a clear picture of like, okay, this is what we're defining to be restrictive, right? This fundamentalism that if you leave, there's there's a lot of pain and suffering and, and shame that can really take a toll on, on your light, on, on who we are and on, and how we want to show up for our family when we're being, when our energy is being siphoned and, and, um, you know, stripped away from us and replaced with that fear and shame. That's a totally different ball game. What is the, the main lesson? I think you've alluded to it many times before already in this conversation, but just to kind of lay it out, like, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned from being, from growing up in that cult? Well, I think that this is a powerful, my, my story in life. Um, I did a little TikTok video here this last week and it was uh, go bask in your cosmic in, insignificance. Um, what if life doesn't have a purpose and we're just taking it way too seriously and then as and you know well maybe it does have a little purpose but i think the purpose is to love those around you and have fun um so you know with that being the 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 kind of the through line there i'm here i'm here to love others so growing up where i did you know i met god there in mm-hmm. deep fundamentalist religion um in a place where there's a lot of darkness a lot of you know sexual abuse, spiritual abuse, all that is happening in, in, in a lot within those systems because it's all hidden and pushed under. And then I leave and I go through all these different layers and it's been a rocket ship ride. The way my worldviews have changed like it's 
the seasons at times, it's felt like um, really challenging to navigate. But what's happened is I've seen God in so many different places. I've seen him through the path of astrology, through human design, through group like fit for service, through sitting with mushrooms, through all these different modalities. And what it's done for me is given me the ability to sit in this space of a non-judgment holder in a in an extraordinary way, because I see how my worldview was even two years ago and how I thought so strongly, this is how it is. And then two years before that, I thought this is how it is. And each time it's not been wrong, but it's not fully right either. And I keep moving towards what my truth is, but I don't ever believe I was wrong. And so in that I see, and that's, that is the challenge that I experience within organized religion. This is not Christianity. This is organized religion in general is this is how it is. And we look at the world today. We look at Israel and what's going on over there. We look at these people that say, this is how it is. And I see people, the Christians taking, saw a person this morning posting about Bible stuff about Israel and how, and I see people posting the Palestinian side. And there's like, there's just, when we look at the world so black and white, we separate ourselves from so many and it, until we can just realize that, it, and I think that's the gift that growing up in that system gave me was this ability just to hold space and love. And I don't, because I have a lot of Christian friends. I have a lot of friends in multiple religions. But I don't care where they're at in their life. I just love them for who they are as this bright spark of humanity in this world. So I think that's the biggest thing I took out of it. And, you know, I just, I've been trying to learn to alchemize the pain into love. Um, the painful experiences as a child, my parents has taught me to be a better father today. And those are powerful lessons. And you said something, I think I'm going to extract it and repeat it because it, it was really profound, but you said it so beautifully and so easily. It was just like, oh, it's it's simple. You said um, you were never wrong. You just kept readjusting. And, you know, my take on that is in the moment, typically we are doing the best that we can with the knowledge that we have, with the tools that we have, with where we're supposed to be in order to gain the lessons, extract it from that current reality, that present situation. And then we use it as a tool, right? So eventually you were able to leave that community, that church in 2014, because you just kept adjusting, you kept adjusting yourself with, with the feedback that you were getting with the energy and how things were started to feel in your body. Like you started to get signs and signals and energies and you just used it as information. Yeah, hundred percent. It's that, you know, when you talk, I mean, I just think it's that thing, an airplane stays on track when it's flying, like what, 5% of the time and the whole journey is it's actually pointed at its destination, but it keeps micro adjusting the whole way. And as long as we keep micro adjusting, we'll, we'll make it where we, where we want to go. If, I mean, is there a destination? I don't know even, but right. yeah. yeah, yeah. We're all airplanes that never really land. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, since since you made that statement, do you feel like it was somewhat of a smooth ride or was it a little easy because of that belief to have less shame and guilt towards yourself for staying in it as long as you did or, or you know, because sometimes people will be like, oh, I wish I could have, should have. 
did this, left sooner, did this, noticed that. But when you said, I was never really wrong, I just kept readjusting. Did that also kind of help you just take accountability? Yeah, but also have some compassion for yourself, just knowing that you and your wife and your family just did the best that you could. Yeah, that's that's and that's a piece that I've had to re revisit again and again. And I, I don't think it it comes to me as shame over it because as soon as I knew the next step, I took it. Hmm. But like, there's been a lot of almost anger that it didn't show up sooner just because of the, just the experiences I missed out on, like, you know, in my, my life. And yet, you know, I had to grow up so young with the way I was, you know, I was, I've been, I'm, I'm, I'll be 40 in a couple months here. I've been working full time since I'm 14 in construction and it's a lot of years for a, someone my age to have been feeling a man's shoes. And, but what I'm realizing is I'm reclaiming even today, like I've built my business to this point where I can, I can be here two to three days a week and go out and play in the water and the rivers, fishing, catching these steelhead and all these salmon, whatever I'm chasing. And, so, you know, there's a reclamation happening right now, and I've made peace with my journey through through it all. Um, it's not been easy. It's been really hard. But I'm proud of the man it's created today. So that's mm -hmm. what a lot. Yes, yes. And for what it's worth, I just... I'm going to say it again. I just, I honor your whole entire journey because it's just not, I'm just thinking about all the different <laughs> energies and things that happen, right. For, for you to, to grow up in that kind of environment and then to, to leave and just with, with all the life changes that happen. And it's just a lot to move through and it feels like it never ends, right? Like it, it probably felt like you never really got a break. <laughs> and like you said, you're still healing. I think sometimes people think that the healing journey is like this finish line that the person running the race will cross and crowds will cheer and they're going to rip the ribbon off and feel like they accomplished it and finally did it and that they're done and there's nothing else to do and that they could just rest. It's just like this constant journey that our soul, you know, chose to experience um, one one lesson after another, one life experience after another on this life. And I want to ask you on a soul level, what do you think your soul signed up for now that you have seen a portion of your life unfold up until this point? Um. Well, it's it's pretty simple, like my mission statement, and that hasn't that hasn't changed from ever. And that is, uh, I would have formed this mission statement back 15 years ago for my business, but it was who I was. And I was, I was in the cult then. And today it is the same. It's to make a difference in the lives of every person I come in contact with. Mm. And so in my business, it goes on to say, and that means from starting with each team member and our team, to the person behind the counter at the gas station, to the 
customers we serve, to our families, just to everyone. And that can be with something as simple as a smile. And that started with a young lady at a gas station that I would go into and buy energy drinks because I was so exhausted. I was working 70 hours a week and I was had a baby that wouldn't sleep at night and there's so much going on in my life plus fighting depression, the whole thing where I was at. And I remember I got in there one day and I said, she said, how are you doing? I said, I'm okay. And her response was just okay. And again, this is just a random person in the store. And I was like, uh, oh, she heard me. And I got my eyes opened up. She's like, well, I hope your day gets better. And I almost started crying right there on the spot because she had no idea what was going on in my life. I'll always remember that story. I'll always remember that person. And I was like, God, that was easy to make a difference. Mm. So easy. And now I'm a leader here of an organization with there's 18 team members in it. And I'm impacting all their lives and their families' lives. And we're growing and we got, I'm in community with other people. And I'm like, but that girl working the gas station, she changed it for all of them. So like, it's just so simple. So that's, that's really my purpose is just to be that smiling face on the planet that shows love to people. And I don't think about it any further than that. Now, is there a bigger picture? I don't know. Maybe. But I'm taking it one day at a time right now. That is beautiful and very impactful. And thank you for that reminder. I think people think like in order to make a difference, they have to, I don't know, have a whole bunch of Instagram followers or have a big platform or I don't know, be leading a conference of like 500 people, right? (laughs) We just put so much pressure on ourselves to have like this grand way of impacting lives. And it's like, it could just be as simple as seeing one another. She saw you. And she heard exactly what you said, right? She was, she was present enough for that. And for anyone listening, presence is, is the key to life. And when we just slow down a little bit, we can also be present with every person that we come in contact with, whether it's a family member or just someone at the store. So thank you for that. And our time is running out and I would, I would love to have you back again sometime soon. Cause I feel like there's just so much to unpack and, at least we got through like, you know, an, an introduction of who you are, what you've been through, how you went through your healing journey, how you're still healing all of those things. And so my last question for you, Aaron, is what does the future look for you, look like for you? Like, is there something that you're wanting to accomplish or is it just like you said earlier, more enjoyment, more play in living life? What does that look like? Wow. You asked me that question. Like I got hit with this wave of emotion. Um, you know, I'm trying to figure that piece out right now. Um, I've, you know, I'm an, I'm an artist as well. And right now I feel like I've, I've came through my chapter of doing and I'm moving into my chapter of being. Um, I had a recent psychedelic journey, a really powerful experience where I was, deep in the space and I just heard call the brothers call the brothers and I feel this deep thirst for community that I don't have right now I know there's 
there is fit for service and I could pay for another summit and I could go there and I could find community and, and retreat there. Um, but in my day-to-day life right now, just where I'm walking, I don't have a lot of community. Um, so I'm trying to figure out how to create that community for myself. I know fit for service was formed largely because Aubrey would wanted community and that was his journey for that. And so, and then, and then also just the artistic expression of Aaron, I think there's a real place for my voice in the world. Um, you know, I've started a YouTube fishing channel here just the last couple of weeks, untamed fishing. I'm, and again, that's the journey of the wild man on the water. Um, the wild man, the cosmos, that's my Instagram. I'm so it, it feels like my story mixed with art, mixed with community, mixed with whatever that looks like. There's something still that needs to, the pieces are not crystallized yet, but um, again, like I've structured my business so it can largely run itself. And I'm looking into my next state of just, just connecting with our humans and helping to spread love on the planet, whatever that looks like. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the next chapter. I love it. That is powerful. That's a powerful answer to say, I'm open. I don't know the answer, but I'm open to enjoying life. And you have the understanding that it's not about working yourself into the ground. And, um, and for anyone listening, Aaron's a powerful projector and projectors are so powerful, a projector in human design. That is the human design system. And projectors are here to live life. They're here to lead and guide, but you know, just to enjoy their free time, to rest, recharge themselves. And you making those shifts in the recent year or so, um, I just I just know that's so good for the soul. It's so nurturing and it provides so many options and just faith in yourself, right? That you'll you'll continue to to do whatever you need to do, love whoever you need to love while you're here. And and that's what makes life juicy. So and is there any message that you want to leave? me with and the listeners with anything that we can take with us into our week anything inspirational or just a reminder uh it just feels pretty simple to say but just remember to love those around us and when we see people reacting in what seems like really hurtful ways to remember they have a story we probably don't see and if we can break through and keep on loving that, loving them, we can be a part of the change. So that's all I have. Powerful. So powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you everyone for tuning in to today's episode. Stick around for the outro. We're going to take a deep breath together. So that way you can fully process this conversation and then also complete your time and energy with this podcast episode today. And you can gracefully go on into the rest of your day with clear and clean energy. Thank you so much, friend, for investing your time, energy, and attention into yourself, just receiving uh, the information and the conversation in this episode. And I hope that it really does add value to your day, your week, your month, and your year. Please do me a favor. Leave this 
uh, episode, my podcast, a five-star review if you really enjoyed it. And also send this episode or any other episode to at least two friends that would really help me get the message out about this podcast and let people know about all the amazing conversations that are taking place here to help us expand our consciousness and build this new earth. Thank you again. So much love to you. See you soon. Take a breath with me on the count of three. One, two, three. And exhale.